Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining me today is one of the young stars of Raising Canaan, Haley Kilgore. How you doing, Haley? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Man, no doubt. No doubt. When did you first get into acting and music? Oh, man. I mean, I've had acting and music in my life forever. I was born singing and um, when I was adopted, my parents owned a theater company. So I always had the arts in my life. Um, but it wasn't until high school that, you know, it really saved me. And um, I realized that I could do this as a career. And so, yeah, it's always been there for sure. Can you talk about who are some actors or actresses that you tried to mold your own acting abilities after? Definitely the first person that comes to mind is Halle Berry, just because mm -hmm. she's so beautiful, but she's also so emotionally deep. And she was able to go to those places that, um, as a young girl, I could really connect to. I'm, I'm thinking, um, in particular, her performance um, as Dorothy Dandridge. I really connected to that as a little girl. And um, in high school, I was introduced to August Wilson and the power of Viola Davis. And I remember I, <laughs> I kind of dug myself into this hole of all of Viola's work. And it was just those actresses and artists who were true to themselves and, and you know, who now in 2021, I think we're so focused on who's pretty and who's hot and the Instagram of it all. But um, I love the actresses that really want to go there and be vulnerable. So like before you joined the cast of Power, you were on Broadway. Mm -hmm. How did that experience help prepare you for Raising Canaan? <laughs> I think it, it definitely prepared me in a lot of ways. I definitely have a very thick skin and um, I have the work ethic and I have the drive and the hustle that Jukebox brings um, to the world. So yeah, it was definitely just preparing me mentally, physically um, and endurance wise. I don't get tired. I have definitely the physical training, but yeah, I mean, theater is something I've always had in my back pocket. So the transition from theater to film was pretty easy for me. Was your role on Once on This Island your breakout performance? And like, how did winning a Tony change your life? I mean, I've been doing this since I was nine years old. And so it's so funny that 
you know, once on this island is is the starting point for people because that's what they know. But I've been hustling and auditioning and hearing no and 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 getting these opportunities since I was a kid. And so um, when I finally booked once on this island, it was that was my um, my moment, I guess, where I finally reached quote unquote stardom and success. I guess that's what people call it. <laughs> But it definitely changed my life. I mean, uh, without Rodney Hicks, Michael Arden, those these amazing producers, and, and Camille Brown, I always go back to Camille Brown, um, who is an African-American uh, choreographer, groundbreaker. Um, she, she really pushed me as a Black woman in theater, and she, she showed me what it's like to stand your ground and hold your own in a white world <laughs> on the great white way. <laughs> and so, yeah, it definitely changed my life for the better. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't done that. So how does it finally feel to be a part of the power universe? It's great. I'm loving being on set. I love the different challenges and I love the story that I get to tell. You know, I get to play a very vulnerable stripped down character who's very emotionally deep. And I, I remember I called my agents and I told them I'm tired of playing princesses and I'm tired of just being pretty. That that only goes so far as an actor. So I'm so excited to be playing such a tough, hardworking girl. I, I love it. Were you a fan of the original Power or like or Power on book two? Yeah, I I loved watching. I guess we call it Ghost or yeah, Power Book One. I watched Power Book One. I'm a huge Amari Hardwick fan. Um, and the Tory fan, and definitely, I know I was Princess Tiana in another life. So my girl Anika Nani Rose, you know, I've followed her career since Princess and the Frog, Dream Girls. Um, so when she came onto the show as Duke, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Anika Nani Rose. And yeah, so I, I loved the show and I loved what it was about. I'm a huge Courtney Kemp fan. She is uh, beast mode. I, I like to say she's beast mode and um so i'm super inspired by her and all of her hard work and her leadership and so it's just a really big honor to be a part of the power universe for sure do random people on the street stop you and ask you if ghost is still alive no <laughs> no i mean honestly people don't recognize me i look so different in real life from duke black so you know they, they ask if i'm that girl from power i am but that's about it so before you got the role of Jukebox, did you audition for anyone else? No, but I do remember the day that I went in to, to meet the producers. They were seeing a lot of Davinas, which was so funny. And I think some of the girls were reading for both Davina and for Jukebox at the same time. But I, it was always true for me. I, I was, I was, that's what I was interested in. <laughs> So what was it like working with um, experienced actors like London Brown, Omar Epps, um, Patina Miller? What was it like working with them? Yeah, Patina was great. Patina played my mother in a different project about a year prior. So I had worked with her before. Um, we're not acting at all when you see Juke and, and, mm -hmm. and Rock's relationship on screen because I just adore her. And she really motivates me to, you know, work hard and go deeper um, with my performance for sure. London is hilarious. I'm a huge fan of him just as a person alongside being a very thoughtful, very thorough actor. I'm so excited. I love watching all of his scenes now that the show is airing. He's so funny and so thoughtful. 
Um, and Omar's Omar's obviously a legend. He, you know, he he is someone who I, I love his eyes. Um, and I love uh, watching um, Detective Howard and how he navigates the world. He's not just, you know, he could have just come in and played a cop and it would have been cool, I guess. But he brought so much more to it. So it's definitely very inspiring. Every single actor on the show um, really brings something shiny to the, the Raising Canyon world. So it's a, it's a big honor to be working with everybody. On the show, you're Makai Curtis' sidekick. Um, what was it like working with him and developing an on-screen chemistry with him? I don't like Makai at all. No, he's the worst. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, no, I love Makai. We clicked, man. We clicked instantaneously, which is, you know, that's a big win, especially in this industry when you're starting a new show with people you don't know, uh, young people. Um, so, yeah, we clicked right away. There, it, That one wasn't really difficult to develop either. Um, we kind of just have the same flow and the same motivation performance wise. So we definitely, yeah, I love him. I love Makai and we, we hang out outside of filming and he's just like a little brother to me. I adore him. Behind the scenes, what's the best 50 cent story that you have? Like, <laughs> like, like a really funny story. Um, probably at the premiere. <laughs> uh, I went, I, I went to go talk to him at the after party and we were celebrating his birthday because his birthday just passed. And um, <laughs> he he was like, hey, you know, I couldn't find you on Instagram because I look so different in person than when I'm <laughs> when I'm playing Jukebox and I'm oh my God, it was so funny. He's such a sweetheart. Um, he's so sweet and he's so smart. So yeah, I, I love working for him. What's your favorite 50 Cent album? Or do you have one? Does everybody say Get Rich or Die Trying? Yep, just about. <laughs> Well, damn. Ah, man. Like me personally, I like the mixtape 50 Cent because that's like mostly okay. Kanan anyway. That, that is Kanan. I, I think and, that's what it is. I don't think it's the album as much as it is, you know, young Curtis Jackson before he was 50 Cent was a spitfire. I mean, man, you give him, he, you know, giving him a mic was just as dangerous as giving him a gun. I mean, for real. Um, yeah, just any young 50 when he was just spitting, 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 spitting. And he still does, you know, when he, when we got to listen to our new theme song um, during the summer, it was like, make money, make, make, make money. It was like, yeah, yes. I love, I love artists. I love artists. He, he, he's a rapper, but he's also a poet, you know? So I really respect him for that. And on top of all of that, he's like the world's most pettiest person on Instagram. And that's what I like <laughs> most about him. You know, he isn't petty to me. And that <laughs> is all. No, I think it's funny. I just laugh it off. He's a smart, smart, smart guy, man. So some people catch on to it and some people don't. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's smart. He's smart for sure. During the filming of the show, um, mm -hmm. what were some of your favorite memories behind the scenes or in front of the camera? Oh man, I had so much fun. I had so much fun on set. This is my favorite set I've been on ever. And um, it's, it's really the fact that every single actor came prepared. They know their storyline, they know what they want. And so it motivated. It was so funny, like we all love each other and support each other so much. 
there's a little bitty, teeny, 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 teeny bit of competitiveness in every single actor. And so it was always so much fun to see like, it'd be like, ah, shit, okay, Patina just did that. Okay, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna do this. Or London just did that, or Makai just did that, and it, it it was so much fun being able to play. And then we would like immediately laugh about it. I I'm thinking we we just started filming season two, and <laughs> we just had to shoot a family scene where we're all sitting at a table. And I'm thinking about everybody like someone would do something, and then everybody would immediately do something else. And <laughs> I love that. I love that energy and that nature for sure. Like me personally, what I like most about the show is that um, it's pretty much true to life to mm-hmm. how the city was back then. Like the cars, the music, yeah. even even the street art. The yeah, graffiti. yeah. Our team so that's did what an I like amazing job about. with that. Our team did an amazing job with that, and it doesn't feel. It's exactly like what you said. None of it feels refurbished, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I really respect that. My polo gear, like that's real polo. Like nobody built that or designed it or 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 tried to make it in a costume shop like people had to Porsche gay our costume our costume key she had to dig to find my polo gear i mean like mm-hmm. really dig and it is so i feel so cool i feel so cool when i walk around in all my jackets and stuff i, I just yeah i need that jacket from from the first episode so if you want to send that to me yep yeah. You could, you could um Yeah, there's an eight ball jacket and there's a bull's jacket that I wanted to steal so badly. <laughs> <laughs> so like how did you prepare for the role of um jukebox? Yeah, I really wanted to build her off of my favorite 90s RMB and hip hop divas. So a young Mary J. Blige, a young Queen Latifah with a touch of Alia. Um, that was really where I started. I was listening to a lot of 90s music. I mean, I'm a big Alia fan, like obsessed. So I was like, I just want to bring that swag, man, that she had um, to my character. And there was also, there's a really big realness about growing up as a young woman in 1991 in Queens. That wasn't something you know, it was more of a survival <laughs> than than just living and existing. So it was just really bringing that truth and that rawness to the role. That was really what I focused on primarily. And it seemed like that you got all the jukebox expressions down from like the way she walks, the way she, um, the way that she kind of interacts with people. Did you talk with, with um, what's her name? Uh, with Anika Rose? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went back, obviously, like I said, I watched her in, when she was on Power, so I was aware of Jukebox and how she moved. And I, at the very beginning, I watched some of her stuff and I would listen to the pattern of how she spoke and how she walked and all that. But then I, I actually really tried to not focus on her performance as much just because Juke is a, a kid. And so Juke isn't aware of, of how older Juke behaves you know juke just moves in juke's way so i really try to just portray her almost as if the older juke didn't exist if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense so um what type of character art can we expect from juke and um for the rest of season one and going into season two yeah you're gonna see a lot more street hustle 
um, as the second episode just aired last weekend. So you guys got to see how she kind of moves on the street as a part of the low life crew. Um, you'll see a lot more of her relationship with Nicole and how that builds and how that affects her relationship with her family, especially Rock okay. and Marvin as the two main adults in her life. Um, and you'll also see a lot more of what's going on with her and Marvin. People have been starting to say, mm, something's going on there. We see okay. an attitude shift. We see a vibe shift whenever they're in the same environment. So you'll see a lot more of that. And season two, baby, you got to finish season one before we can get into season two. <laughs> That's a whole nother interview. I hardly even, I had to beg for my scripts. I've had to beg to be able to read my scripts. So we'll figure out some more in season two, you know, as time goes on. You know, you just mentioned London Brown. Is it, um, is it because Juke is like tied in her sexuality that the two are, are not like all that close? I to each other. Say what it is. You're gonna have to watch and see. I can't say what it is. All right, all right. I can respect that. I can respect <laughs> that. All right. So Juke was like always tough. Like, but can you explain what made Ju um Jukebox go to like from somewhat of a sweetheart, you know, singing in school to like a stone cold killer? Yeah, I think a lot of things happened to her. I think you know. It's very interesting, the culture shift of 2021 <laughs> and mm -hmm. the difference between actually living in the 90s. Um, because in 2021, like you can say you about that life and you can throw your dudes up and, you know, talk a big talk and whatever. And, and these kids that they don't understand the real life struggle. They're, they're, there, there, there is still struggle and that still exists. Don't get me wrong. Don't misplace my words. But 1991 women, especially women who were smart and women who had a talent of some kind, that wasn't something that you would go on Instagram and brag about, you know, that, that makes you a target. And so for me, when I think about my performance, it, it, it's really, it all comes back down to survival. You know, when it comes to jukebox, that tough exterior that you see, it's, it's because she's had to survive and she's had to endure a lot. And so, you know, one, obviously watch the show. <laughs> and two, like you have to, you have to understand that this was a time when women were surviving. They weren't just out here. We weren't just out here like, like Mary J. Blige. I, I got to see her My Life documentary. And, you know, her, her ability to sing, her ability to write wasn't something that she was out here like, hey, look at me. That was something she had to hide. And so, you know, with Juke, she, she, she's protecting a lot. She's protecting a lot of stuff. And so as more life happens to her, you know, shit pops off in her life and in good ways and in terrible ways. And so, you know, she becomes a bit ruthless. She becomes a bit ruthless. And you'll see as the seasons go on, you know, how it turns out. I mean, we know how it turns out, but. Right. So since we know how Jukebox story ends, like would you compare Juke to like some of the famous, you know, villains from, from the 90s, like Old Dog from Menace yes. to Society and even like <laughs> yeah. Snoop from The Wire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what she, she, man, older Juke 
people are like, man, that bitch is crazy. Da, 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 da. And it's like, nah, she wasn't crazy. Like she was like she was a gangster. That's how we move. That's how, you know, that's just how people move. That's not <laughs> so funny. People of today, man, they don't understand, like, or they've forgotten. How, All right, so yeah. How oh my bad. Tough it was, no worries. Mm-hmm. So like Jukes, like she's like a complex person to me. Like on one mm-hmm. end, she's a gangster in training. On the other end, like she has so much potential with yeah. her singing. Um, did you find it easier to portray the performative side of jukebox more more than the actual acting side of it? Um I actually found the acting part easier than singing if that's are you talking about the singing part or yeah the singing part i found the acting easier just because i connect to what it's like to be towing the line between one life and another jukebox is living two separate lives you know when we meet her and i connect to that um, and I connect to the hustle and I connected to having to grow up with a tough exterior. Um, cause I did. And, um, so yeah, that was a lot easier than, or that was a lot more. Yeah. That was easier to connect to than like just singing. Cause why is she singing and where is she coming from? That's more complex to me than, you know, you know, and to me, like, like I'm not sure if this me overthinking, but um I felt a lot of pain in jukebox singing when you were singing in um the first episode. I felt like a lot of pain coming out of your voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I think Juke has a lot of 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 pain and a lot of um heart at the same time. I think jukebox. Adult jukebox and young jukebox, one of the main things that they have in common is the fact that they feel deeply. You know, adult jukebox, when she's angry, she's got a gun to some kid's head. You know, when when we meet her, she shoots two straight up children in the face. Like she, you know, and and at the same time, there is this this care. She didn't have to go get Kanan. She didn't have to take care of him, but she does. You know, and I think as you watch Raising Canaan, you start to understand how the gap is bridged between these two people that we know already exist and these two kids, because they're the same people, you know? Yep. All right. So, like, you talk about, like, like who are some of your favorite artists from the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first one's Aaliyah. Like, I love... Let me see you go back, back, back and forth. Like, I, I love, she was so, she was like, that was the cool girl to me growing up. She was cool. You know, her left eye, TLC, um, crazy, sexy, cool. Um, just like, and obviously Whitney. Sasha didn't know how big of a Whitney fan I was. He actually didn't. Like, I, when, I, when he, he told me I was singing Whitney Houston, I was like, yeah, thank you. Um, so Whitney is a big one. Obviously, Destiny's Child, huge. I, I love harmonies and, and raw vocals, you know. Now we've got like, eh, like we put shit on people's voices, whether they're singing or rapping or somewhere in between, you know. 
and there was something about 90s music even in hip-hop and rap it, it was raw and it was real and you either had talent or you did <laughs> and you know your fans would tell you if you did or if you didn't you know and um yeah i was i have a big respect i always say i was born five years too late um because <laughs> just to that was such a big part of the culture music you know that sounded like kind of some shots fired at today's rappers man it ain't no it's all love all <laughs> i'm saying is you know how you people do all i'm saying <laughs> is is that in the 90s that that those were the pioneers yep the those were the pioneers it's like i said before you couldn't go on instagram live and rack up 60,000 followers first of all kendrick kanye fucking we've got i'm not saying that today's rappers are not the shit cuz they are what i'm saying is there is a mad respect and there is a, a mad, you always bow down to the pioneers of hip hop and art. Mm -hmm. They had right. to struggle and they had to do the work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you can formulate your own soundtrack um, for Raising Canaan, like just mm -hmm. featuring straight, straight 90 artists, like who would be on it? That song just popped into my head. It's the one in the trailer. Why can't I remember the name? Um, you could go with this, or you could go with that. You could go with this. I like that song. Engine, engine, number, that's what that song is. Um, back to Life, I love that song. That's Jukebox's little theme song is Back to Life. I love that song. Um, else? You know, Back to Life kind of take me back to cleaning on Saturday mornings. <laughs> yes, yes that um man it was kind of everything biggie tupac throwing a little bit of Charlemagne. like i i don't know i i it was just the all of the that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying about artists in the 90s it was like you listen to everybody because everybody was good like everybody had it or they didn't <laughs> and so i and then that's hit, just the hip hop side. Then I would add the divas. I would have Whitney, Shaka Khan, and Vogue, like Salt and Pepper. Everybody, mm. everybody's in there. <laughs> you know, Mary J. She's in the other Power Book. Um, are you gonna sing some of her songs yeah. in the series? I, I hope. I hope so. I hope I get to. Mm. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> All right. So, what's your favorite? Um, What's your favorite Mary J album? Because me personally, I like What's the 411. What's the 411? Yeah. What's the 411 challenges? And it could be that I'm biased because I just watched the documentary. It challenges the My Life album. What I love about the My Life album is how raw, I mean, every Mary J Blige album is raw, but My Life has that honesty and that vulnerability like on a thousand that i respect a song can be great an album can be great but what's the story and does it have heart and does it have soul you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. or uh-oh yeah i'm gonna stick those are my answers that's my 
<laughs> all right yeah, so that's my, um, answer. that's my answer <laughs> so can you tell us in your opinion who's more ruthless monet from the other power book or roth in raising canaan i think they're two different characters i think monet is super calculated and i think that roth mm-hmm. the thing about monet is monet is running an operation that was run by her partner she's taken over an operation that's been run by her partner and rock is running her own operation so they have to move different you know, Monet still goes to him about with information and about stuff, and he's still very much the boss. And Monet just takes shit and recalculates it and makes it work and does the work. With Rock, you know, she's got people she has to protect. She's got things that she wants, and she's got relationships that she's got to maintain on neutral. And so I think she's a little bit more reckless. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also she puts a, a little bit more heart into what she's doing, which can be dangerous. You know, while we're still on music a little bit, you know, something else that caught my eye from the first few episodes is mm-hmm. I seen you rock I seen you rocking a Walkman. Like when you first seen it, were you looking at it like like just what the hell is this? Or <laughs> well, I knew what a Walkman was <laughs> before. <laughs> Um, I was really excited. I was super excited. Unfortunately, the Walkman that I have on the show didn't actually work. So I was mad disappointed. Yeah, I was mad disappointed that I couldn't actually like use it. Um, But yeah, I was really excited about the Walkman. (laughs) You know, me like coming, like me coming up, I used to like music on tape more than CD back in yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why, but, but that's no, just me too. Me. I, I love, I, I, I could even take it a little bit further. I love, my dad has um, a record player. And the cool thing about the record players and the VHS cassettes um, is, or the cassette tapes and VHS, you can't, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work to skip through a song. It takes a lot more work to just, you know, because now we can just click on the next thing and listen to something for 15 seconds and then move to the next song. And with that, you had to listen to the whole thing. And um, yeah, I missed that element. I missed, like, I love, that's why I love albums. I love albums that have a beginning and an end and a thorough storyline. Because that was something that music had back in the 90s, baby. Like, there was a whole story. And um yeah, I love that. And you know what else I miss? Like actually like recording songs off the radio on the tape. <laughs> I just want to do that just ah. just 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 at least one more time. Yeah. That's God, what I said. I was born five years too late. Mm-hmm. Tell me. <laughs> All right. So Polo is like heavily featured on the show like what are some of your favorite polo looks from the 90s obviously the striped shirts i love my stripe like <sighs> i wanted to wear my my blue and white striped shirt every day but i couldn't but i wanted to the jackets obviously i also love i mean i wear i wear polo everything i wear the socks I wear the shirts, I wear the jackets, I wear the khakis. Like it's all Ralph Lauren, like all of it. Um, 
So yeah, those the tops and the the coats are my favorite. Definitely the jackets. Um, there's one that I'm thinking of, the blood red jacket. That there's one that I get to wear. It's fleece that I love, and I loved all the fashion. Like I love Rock's wardrobe too. Lots of Versace, um, and I love what's uh, Natalie's character, Natalie Lenez. Um, she plays Famous's older sister, Jessica. She gets to wear a lot of vintage Alexander Wang, which I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, polo was the low life crew staple. That's that's what mm-hmm. you know. That's what they wore. So I love everything polo now. <laughs> and why do you think like polo has kind of stood the the test of time? Because you know all these brands that was popular back then, uh-huh. they like they 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 came and went, but polo is like still around. Timeless. Yeah, it's timeless. Polo is a classic. I think it's the print. I think it's the cut, it's comfortable, it's recognizable. Um, and yeah, it's just, polo really has to mm-hmm. take the time. Like, it's so funny when we were filming and then I would go out and I see people, they're still wearing those same shirts and they're still rocking those same jackets in today's clothing. And I think it's really just the story behind polo that I'm not gonna get into now because I talk about it um in season one on the show a lot but also the story of how he came up and the story of the low life crew I think just culturally that's it's something that's timeless and it's never gonna go away you know another brand that's kind of stood the test of time especially in the hood is champion like even to this day people still right yeah it's that's a classic that's a classic for me I wear champion sportswear all the time I wear the sweatshirts, I wear the sweatpants, the sweatsuits. Um, and it's so funny, you know, that was definitely a, a black staple that has now <laughs> <laughs> been, um, how shall I say, borrowed um, by yeah, the fashion world. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but that's how it is with all, especially 90s black fashion is now coming back in in the fa- high fashion world um and with you know the cute little tiktokers and whatever's but yeah those are classics you know two things i want to see come back is the april jackets and 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 the, the avrex jackets too yeah yes and i would take i used to love ball those jacket. i'll take an eight ball jacket anyway <laughs> And while we added the Jan Sport book bags too. Yeah, I mean, I have one. I I have a I have a Jan Sport backpack. Like really another, have- another one that's like stood the test of time is is the Jan Sport bags. Those have, have really, you know, they're coming back again now. But yeah, I have a Jan Sport bag for sure. You know, Hill Figure was big in the nineties too. Like as the series go on, can we expect mm-hmm. Juke to rock some? Some Tommy Hill. Guess you have to watch and find out. Guess you're gonna have to wait and see. Do you still rock it like in your everyday life? Yeah, it's so funny. Uh Jukebox, her style is a little different than mine. Um, I'm a lot more. I'll mix girly and feminine with streetwear. I'll always I love to wear um, you know, jeans or baggy pants but then I'll I'll have a cute top or something for sure but I did notice like 
I'd be like, I'd rather just wear a baggy top and some pants right now instead of throwing on a dress <laughs> for sure. Um, what's your sneaker rotation looking like right now? We've got LeBron's. We've got uh -oh. uh, Balenciaga and Louis Vuitton sneakers. That's what that's the rotation right now. You know, I was trying to get a look at the sneakers that that you guys were wearing, but mm -hmm. but but I don't know. I really couldn't tell. But can you talk about like the sneakers on Ray's and Canaan besides the Tims and stuff? Yeah, I mean, my character only ever wears Tims on the show, and that's a that's a preference thing. I I mm -hmm. preferred wearing Tims. I preferred walking in Tims. I know Kai had a lot of airs. Um, he kind of wears. Same. I feel like he kind of wore the same shoes all the whole season too. Um, but yeah, lots of Nike. Uh -uh. Lots of Nike. That's look, all of those 90s brands never went out of style. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um I wore Tim's. I rock with Tim's. I just had my season two fittings and I told them that I really only wanted to wear Tim's. So that that sounds like you want to be an official New Yorker now. <laughs> Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. I was just in Queens for a promo event, and mm -hmm. I love, I love, 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 I love New York. I've always wanted to live in New York. That was always, I always said I was going to move to New York. I moved here when I was 17. So, um, yeah, I love it here. I've hit my five-year mark. I've hit my five-year mark. So I'm a, what's it called when you've lived in New York for five years? An official citizen. I'm <laughs> <laughs> all right so before i let you go i want to play um start bitch start bench and cut i mean this is going to be a little bit hard for you because it was hard for me trying to come up with these um questions okay. but all right all right so we're going to play start bench cut for 90 singers Rappers. Oh Lord, no! I told you, I, I told you it's gonna be hard. No, okay, 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 I'm ready. <laughs> Clothing, and um, we're gonna do a start bench cut for TV shows. Oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I told you, I told you it's gonna be hard. Okay, like, okay, I'm, okay. All right, so for ninety singers, we got Whitney, Jeez. Sade. And Mary J. Okay, let me think about this logic. Oh, man. I'm going to start with and just pack a punch. Right, <laughs> I'm gonna. Lord have mercy on my soul. <laughs> Bench. <laughs> Y'all don't hate me for this. I'm gonna bench Mary. No. Yes. No. No. Okay. I'm gonna. Mm, I'm gonna bench. Sade. Final answer. All right. 
We got Sade on the bench. On the bench, because I can bring Sade out if I need to. And that leaves right, Mary, who, but I'm not even going to say it for Mary. I'm just going to say that Mary is, is how dare you. <laughs> I'm not, I will never, I will never, 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 never. I'm a bench Mary, too. <laughs> all right, so we're going to go to 90s rappers. And for this one, I just did all female rappers. So okay. we got Lil' Kim. Yeah. Um, Foxy Brown, Queen Latifah. I'm gonna go Lil Kim, Queen Latifah, Foxy. All right, that's a good one. All right, so for '90s clothing, we have eight ball jackets, polo, Tommy Hilfiger. Okay, Tommy Hilfiger, bench polo, and okay, no, Tommy Hilfiger. Oh, uh, fine. Yeah, Tommy Hilfiger polo and eight ball jacket. Right. Only because I have to. <laughs> All right. And so for the TV shows of the 90s, we got Martin, Living Color, or Living Single. I'm going to start with Living Color. Then I'm going to say Martin. Then I'm going to say Living Single. All right. All right. <laughs> and, and this is the last one, I, I promise. I asked like all my guests that I have from Power and the Wire the same question. And we and we'll still start bench and cutting. So start bench cut, power, the wire, or snowfall. Cut snowfall. <laughs> all right, who are you starting? Start the wire and bench power. Oh, that was easy. Usually that's a hard question for um people to ask. I mean to answer. Only because the wire is a cult classic love to snowfall i love you malcolm um i love to snowfall but yeah and i just started, <laughs> and me i just started watching snowfall because people kept on you know just because people just kept on talking shit because i never seen it so I, <laughs> now, so now i'm on like episode um season one episode three or something like that that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think? Like the lasting legacy, um, like shows like The Wire and Power will have on like the future of television. Oh man! I mean, the thing about The Wire is that that was that that was real life. Like that was people could connect to every single character on The Wire, good, bad, indifferent. Mm. You know, when it came out and. Um, I always shout out baby Michael B. Jordan, little baby Michael mm. B. Jordan. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a that's a staple in in history in African American history. So that's definitely why you know it stood the test of time. And and power is going to be that same thing. We're meeting another African American um, crime family um, in the original Power in what was it 2016, 2015? Um, and, and, um, that was, you know, the money, the fame, the power, the truth, both literally and figuratively, um, you know, so that's why people love the show and, you know, people just love the drama and the sex and the hip hop of it all, you know, who wouldn't I do. <laughs> 
So, all right. So I want to thank you for joining me today. You know, I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing the evolution of Jukebox and Raising Canaan. Um, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Just filming power. I'm going to start dropping some, some of my own music. And um, yeah, that's about it. When can we expect that album? Soon. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram and you can find out. All right. Thank you again for um, coming on with me. Of course, thank you for having me.